Good morning. And you know why we're here, right? We just sang it. We're here to worship and celebrate Jesus. Outstanding. Great job, guys. Great job. Well, Connor, I have an answer. Y'all are wondering why they wouldn't turn on Connor's microphone. Well, here's the answer. It's been so long since I've been up here talking that they were pushing the wrong button. <laughs> They've been accustomed and waiting for Connor to preach, and they're pushing that button, and they were pushing the wrong button. So, but anyway, it's good to be back. It's good to be back in this spot and, and doing this again. Connor has more than ably filled in and done a fantastic job, but it's also good to be back uh, serving the Lord and, and honoring him in this way. So, but it's, it's good stuff. And you know, a few weeks ago, we wanted to finish up our conversation in Romans, ended up sick. So we'll do that this morning. But let's have a word of prayer. We'll jump into things and we'll ask the Lord to bless our time together. Father, I just want to say thank you again so much for your incredible faithfulness and your incredible goodness to us. Father, I just, I think of the songs we just sang that, that talk about, Father, the amazingness of who you are, the amazingness of Jesus, and what we have in Jesus. Phenomenal. Father, just be at work in our time this morning as we wrap up our time in Hebrews and as we prepare to turn our sights to spending time in your word and, and understanding your word and celebrating the amazingness of what you have given to us through scripture. Father, we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, what I'd like to do is I'd like to read through Romans, or not Romans, boy, where did that come from? Read through Hebrews 13 and kind of go from the beginning of that down to the end. And so that we kind of get that running start. We, I preached on that back in September. I thought I was going to take a week off and then come back and finish. My health had a different response and a different plan for all of that. So but let's just look at this here. We'll start in Hebrews 13 and then we'll read on down through. It says, let brotherly love continue. Don't neglect to show hospitality for by doing this some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. Remember those in prison. By the way, if you're reading and you're saying, um, this seems a little bit different than what you were reading before. I'm reading from the Christians, the CSB today. So um, that's where I'm reading from. Remember those in prison as though that you were in prison with them and the mistreated as though you yourselves were suffering bodily. Marriage is to be honored by all and the marriage bed kept undefiled because God will judge the sexually immoral and adulteresses and adulterers. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have, for he himself said, I will never leave you or abandon you. Therefore we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? I love, and we talked about this, I love how God talks about contentment and resting on his provision. And he's using the promises that he gave to the nation of Israel as they went into the promised land. I love how he just applies that to resting in and waiting upon God's provision, learning to be content. 
And then he says, remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives. Imitate their faith. And that's where we finished back in September. And now I want to kind of pick up on verse 8 and carry that down to the end. And this is what we're going to focus in on today. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be established by grace and not by food regulations. Since those who observe them have not benefited, we have an altar from which those who worship at the tabernacle do not have a right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood was brought into the most holy place by the high priest as a sin offering are burned outside of the camp. Therefore, Jesus also suffered outside the gate, so that he might sanctify the people by his own blood. Let them then go to him outside the camp, bringing or bearing his disgrace. For we do not have an enduring, for we do not have an enduring city here. Instead, we seek the one to come. Therefore, through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of lips that confess his name, just as we've been doing. Don't neglect to do what is good and to share, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. Obey your leaders and submit to them, since they keep watch over your soul as those who will give an account, so that they can do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we are convinced that we have a clear pray for us, for we are convinced that we have a clear conscience wanting to conduct ourselves honorably in everything, and I urge you all the more to pray that I may be restored to you very soon. Now may the God of peace who brought us from brought up brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you for every good thing to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to receive this message of exhortation. For I have written to you briefly, beware, be aware of your brother Timothy has been released. If he comes soon, he will be with me when I see you. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who are from Italy send you greeting. Grace be with you all. So let's jump back up to verse 8 and let's kind of start to walk through this because it's a great passage and a lot of things going on here. And again, this is the, he's at the end of the chapter, he's at the end of the book, and he's kind of, he spent all this time talking to them about holding on to Jesus, and all this time reminding them again and again and again and again and again that Jesus is greater. And guys, I don't want you looking at other traditions, I don't want you looking at other things, I don't want you trying to go back to Judaism, and we see that reference again here in this whole conversation, he said, guys, I want you to lean in to Jesus. But what's been going on is they've been kind of stepping back, they've been kind of stepping back a little bit from Jesus because as we get some indication here, there have been those who have come in and started to talk to them and whisper in their ears saying, you should come back to your Jewish traditions and kind of blend your Jewish traditions with, with, with your walk with Jesus. But what's more important than your walk with Jesus is really honoring those Jewish traditions. And so he's, he's, as he's writing this book, as he's writing this letter, 
to these readers. He's saying, guys, listen, don't back away from your faith. Don't back away from Jesus. Don't try to back back into Judaism. Do not do that. He's saying, step up, step into, lean into Jesus and grab a hold of Jesus. That's what you need to do. And as he's kind of come to that finishing of that conversation, the finishing of that most of that argument, he then says, now guys, there's a, a number of other things I just want to touch on real quick. And you know how sometimes you, you've, you the, he's finishing the letter and he goes, okay, and he kind of wants to, he's going to, almost we could say this, he's going to hit a bullet, bunch of bullet points. And he's just kind of walking through those bullet points. He says, no, don't be aware of this, be aware of this. Now, as we say this then, he's not being exhaustive on any of these points. So all of these things are things that you can kind of go back to and you can you kind of get the general principle, you get the general lesson, but we can also look at other areas of scripture and process through other areas and, and kind of get a fuller picture and a fuller understanding. But he's hitting these points and saying, guys, these are things I also want you to be aware of before I click off and say goodbye. You ever do that? Sometimes we, we, we probably don't, we, most of us today probably don't do a whole lot of writing of letters. But we would do this on the phone call. Okay, no, no, wait, wait, before you go, I just want to remind you of. I, the other day, I went to Joan's office and I got my teeth cleaned. So she's been my hygienist for 35 years, 36 years. Outstanding, great. And as I'm in the chair, she's doing stuff and she says, now, when you get home today, she goes, would you put a pot of water on to boil? Would you go to the grocery store on the way home? And would you get a bag of lettuce? And, and she gave me a couple other things to do real quick. And it was like, oh, now, before you go, boom, 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 boom. She gave me the quick bullet points of things I need to address before I leave the office, pay the bill, and head home. Okay, that's what the writer's doing here. Here's just a few more things real quick I want you to be aware of before we, we, cl- we close. So let's look at verse 8. We'll pick up kind of in the middle of where he has been having this conversation. He has this conversation, says some really great things, some amazing things. You go back to the, the sermon from a couple about a month ago and you'll see that. But he then makes this statement. He says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is what's amazing. Jesus is vast and unchanging. The same yesterday, today, and forever. He says this because this is really important. Because when we come into the next verses, he says, don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings. Now we can go back to verse 8 real quick. Now here's what I want you to look at. We don't need to add to Jesus. You get that? This is the conversation he's having. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he says, you need to have that understanding. You need to have that foundation so that as you look at life, this is kind of like a worldview, point of view. Okay, listen. Jesus, you don't need to add to Jesus. 
So as you process through life, and guys, as you're wrestling through the things that are being presented, as you wrestle through conversations that you have, as you wrestle through people that are saying to you, this or this or this is important, you need to run it through the filter, you need to run it through the understanding that you don't need to add to Jesus. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is unchanging. And so we don't need to incorporate all sorts of new stuff into this whole conversation. That's when he then goes to verse 9. Thank you for backing up and doing that. Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings. What's going on? Because people are coming in and they're saying, you know, Jesus is good. He's good. There's nothing wrong and there's not a problem with Jesus. But what you need to do is you need to add this to your walk with Jesus. You need to add this to your faith. That will make your relationship with Jesus better. He's saying don't do that. Don't let people start to rope you in and to deceive you by adding things to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus doesn't change. Foundational issue, foundational principle. Don't get caught off guard by those lies and that deceit. And then here's, here's the stuff that's going on. For it is good for the heart to be established by grace... Again, recognizing what Jesus has done for us. Recognizing that we don't do anything to earn God's favor. Again, you take, that, take grace as, a, as an acronym. God's righteousness at Christ's expense. Again, we're receiving God's righteousness. We're receiving God's goodness. We're receiving God's favor. Not because we're doing something, but because God is choosing to give it to us. But what's being clearly identified here, though, is they're being taught, listen, if you want to have God's favor, you need to start to introduce some different routines in your life. You need to start eating different things. You need to start exercising some different practices. And they are starting to say, this is how God's grace, and this is how God's favor, and this is how God's righteousness starts to enter into your life. And those are lies. Jesus doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His grace and his goodness and his richness comes into your life the same way that we told you at the beginning. It comes through faith, through what God has done in him and through him. It comes through faith in Jesus. There's no other avenue through which God's righteousness and his goodness comes in except by faith. Don't believe the lie that you now need to start to do other things to know God's presence and to know God's goodness. Now the people that are doing this are people who are coming from that Jewish tradition. This is how come they're starting to back away from Jesus because these people whispering in their ear coming from that Jewish tradition and they're starting to say you need to go back into that Jewish tradition and he's just reminding them you don't need to do that. Lean into and hold on to Jesus. And then in this conversation and I'll just read down through the end of it he's talking about the the day of atonement sacrificial process. It says, don't be, la- don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings, for it, is go- for it is good for the heart to be established by grace and not by food regulations, since those who observe them have not benefited. They're not experiencing the grace of God through this process, because that's not how the grace of God comes. It doesn't come from following rules. It doesn't come from following obligations. And again, what did Paul say in Romans? The law killed me. The law didn't save because following the law and following the rules, that's not the means of grace. Grace comes through faith in Christ alone. 
We have an altar from, from which those at the tabernacle do not have a right to eat. Now, just so you understand. During the sacrificial process and during the temple worship process, people would come to the temple and they would offer a sacrifice. When they would offer that sacrifice, the t- sacrifice would be brought in and the, the, the sacrifice would be uh, uh, various different kinds. But so if someone brought a lamb or someone brought a goat or someone brought a bull to the sacrifice, ultimately those lambs, those goats, those bulls became food for the people working at the temple. That was part of how they were compensated and part of how God provided for their needs. Except for the Day of Atonement sacrifice. On the Day of Atonement sacrifice, which was that day of the year where they were making a sacrifice to cover all of the sin of the people for the year, that kind of, this one covers it all kind of sacrifice. That sacrifice, after the sacrifice was made, the, the bull was taken out of the camp or out of the community and burned outside of the community. No one consumed that. All right? Now, what's it doing? What's he coming back at? Thinking through this. So, we have an altar from which those who worship at the tabernacle do not have a right to eat because he's talking with the fact they would eat the sacrifices because it was their means of how they were provided for. We as followers of Jesus, who do we partake of? We partake of Jesus. See, it's Jesus that we are leaning into. It's Jesus that we're holding on to. It's through Jesus that God's grace is provided. It's through Jesus that a right relationship with the Father is established. It is through Jesus. Those who are practicing other belief systems, those that are practicing other systems of worship, they do not partake of Jesus. They are not entering into relationship with Jesus. They are, they, they are not able to come to that particular altar and partake. Now, we're not talking about cannibalism we're talking spiritually, we're talking figuratively here so you understand. But they don't get to partake of Jesus. They don't get to do that because they are not coming to worship Jesus alone. They are, they are adding all sorts of other stuff. They're, they're, they're taking all these things, they're shaking up, up the bag and they're pulling out something that says, this is what I'm, I'm going to be about. And it's not. That's a lie. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the most holy place by the high priest, talking about the Day of Atonement, is a sin offering, are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also suffered outside the gate. That's a really cool connection point. Outside the camp. The sacrifice was taken outside the camp. And here is Jesus paying the ultimate Day of Atonement sacrifice. Outside the camp. Being, bearing his disgrace. For we do not have an enduring city here. Instead, we seek one to come. Therefore, through him, let us continually offer up to God such sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of the lips that confess his name. Now, I love this. I love what's going on here. Guys, you want to worship Jesus then don't add other stuff to it. 
Don't add other things to it. You want to worship? Then worship Him. And He tells us in in short way how to do it. Offer up to God sacrifice of lips, confessing His name. And that kind of what we just did as we worshiped here, singing praises to the goodness of God. But it also means as we go out and as we have conversations, as we interact with people, what do we do? We continue to lift up the name of Jesus and we continue to worship and praise the name of Jesus through the different things that we do throughout our week, throughout our days, through the conversations that we have. We lift up the name of Jesus. That's, that's part of how we worship. And again, so don't get, don't get caught up that the things that happen up here on Sunday morning are the only places where worship should be happening. This is a great opportunity. And the music team is doing a phenomenal job today. And this is a great way for which we worship as we get together, we get to sing, we lift our voices and adore him and, and, and it just charges our batteries. And in the last song, we're getting to that last part and go, oh, yes, we want to sing out and praise the name of Jesus. But then we also then get to exit out the various doors of this building. We we get to go back to our home. We get to go back to our neighborhood. And we still, though, get the opportunity to worship and to lift up and praise the name of Jesus. We get to get up tomorrow morning and look out our window. It could be rainy. It could be thundering and lightning. But we still get to say, boy, Lord, this is a great day to worship you and to adore you and to celebrate and rejoice in you. And we get to talk to our neighbor and say, you know, I'm having a great day. I'm having a great day in Jesus. I hope you have a great day in Jesus. We get to show up at work. We get to talk to people and say, hey, how you doing? I'm having a great day in Jesus. How are you? We get to lift up the name of Jesus from every single place and every single part of life where we go. That's part of what it means to worship him. And he's saying, listen, that's how you worship. You don't worship me by making sure you eat the right things. You don't worship me by making sure that this concoction that's been shaken up and put together when we pulled out, that you follow those certain rules. No, the way you worship me, I am unchanging. Worship me through how you, through the praise of your lips, the praise of your heart as you go throughout the course of life. But then there's another one that he adds to this, and I love it. Don't neglect to do what is good and to share. For God is pleased with such sacrifices. It is so cool. I'll tell you something that happened yesterday that kind of puts it in, puts it in context. Jonah and I moved in at our house. We did this back in back in end of June. Lived there full time starting in July. And as we moved in, we had an extra little freezer. It turns out our neighbor, just before we got there, excuse me, he was going out to buy a little freezer when someone ran into him. And so he couldn't get that little freezer. We had an extra little freezer, so we gave it to him, just being neighborly. But this is what's so cool, because he's a really good neighbor. So about a month after we moved in, three houses down, one, two, three, the house right across, and one, two, three, maybe two houses down, depending on how you count. So is it it this house or is it that house? Okay. So is it this week or next week? I don't know. But three houses down, a new family moved in. And the grass has been growing. 
and I hadn't had a chance to meet them yet. And so I had to go to the, the hardware store yesterday. So as I'm going out, they're all out there talking, and I waved, and they waved back. And so it was one of the first chances in the last little bit of time we got to say hello to each other. And then I come back, and out, he's out there mowing his lawn, which had, had gotten tall. And so I said, you know, he's outside. I'm going to walk down. I'm going to introduce myself. I'm going to say hello. And we got talking. Well, he's mowing his grass. He goes, you know, and he talks about our neighbor Jeff. He goes, he's such a good guy. He says, but I've been trying to mow my lawn and on. And I came, when I, they moved from Washington, so they sold all their stuff when they came across the country. He says, my dad said he, and my dad lives in Manchester. My dad said he had a, had a mower for me. He says, but he gave it to my aunt. That's too far for me to get. And I was talking to Jeff about that. He says, Jeff goes, well, I have three mowers. Why don't you just take one of mine? You can have it. He says, and I'm, he's out there mowing his lawn. But I want you to understand the significance of just being generous, of just being kind. There's real value of just being generous, of just being kind. And that's one of the ways that we get to praise our Lord. It's one of the ways that we get to adore Him. And as we reflect Jesus and as we represent Jesus and people are seeing Jesus through us, why? Because we're being kind, we're being generous, we're being good neighbors, we're just being good people to other people, reflecting the character and the kindness of Jesus to other people. And that's what we should be doing. That's one of those ways we get to reflect the generosity of Jesus to us as we reflect generosity and kindness to others. And we don't just do that because it's, I'm cool, I'm great, I'm awesome. No, we do that because Jesus is cool, Jesus is great, Jesus is awesome, and he's freed me, and he's worked in me, and he's done amazing things in me, and I get to share that goodness and that kindness and that generosity with others. And it just, it touches people's lives. It makes an impact on other people's lives lives. So we worship by giving praise. And we can worship through being generous and kind with others. Now again, is this the exhaustive teaching? No. But is it a hint? Is it an indication? Is it a reminder of the ways that we should be functioning and carrying ourselves out? Absolutely. He goes on. Obey your leaders. Excuse me, and submit to them since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account so that they can do this with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. Boy, you come back to that and you go, you got to read that one again. You kind of come back and you look at that and say, that feels like a little bit of a loaded statement because those two words, we, man, we, we wrestle, wrestle with these two words in our culture, don't we? Boy, I mean... They get just—it's right around here. It just gets stuck, and we go, and you kind of got—you feel like you got to spit it out. Those words, oh, they're tough. Obey and submit. Well, of course, if a leader is being a jerk and not leading biblically, then you might pause. But when leaders are leading according to the word of God, and when leaders are leading on the principles and the values of God, the real is, the challenge is that we should be learning to obey and submit. And it's true for all of us. 
Now, as I say that, you might say to yourself, well, Andrew, you're the senior pastor. Yes, but I still live under the authority of our leadership. So even as I lead, I'm still under authority. And each one of us that are part of the elders are still under the authority of the team of elders because we still need to function under authority. Because none of us should be an authority unto ourselves. Now churches wrestle with that. And as you guys understand some of our history, we have wrestled with that in the past because what was, what was the challenge of sin in, in, the, in the land during the judges? When everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And that was a problem. And it brought chaos to the nation. God calls us as individuals who are part of the Christian community to learn to obey our leaders and to submit to them. Why? Because they keep watch over our souls as those who will give an account. Connor and I, the elders, we're going to stand before God someday and we're going to have an accountability for how we've led God is going to hold us accountable for saying, Andrew, Connor, Bill, Rich, buddy, how did you do at leading New Life Church and caring for my people and my children? And how did you do in caring for their souls and coming alongside them in their journey of walking with me? There is going to be a greater and a different accountability because we are tasked with the responsibility of caring for the souls, your souls, and your growth and your development. We have a responsibility before God and you are part of that responsibility. And and your journey is going to be part of the measuring stick that God is going to hold against us for how we have done. He continues on that. Your leaders will give an account so that, and then here's that other part, so that they can do this with joy and not with grief. And I love this next part because that would be unprofitable for you. When God has placed godly leaders in our lives to lead us and to direct, it's, it's for our good. And God has placed them there to encourage us to lead the church family, to, to help set some of the direction and the agenda that the church is going to take. But he has placed them in our lives to help us in our journey, to help us to become who Jesus desires that we become. It's for our good. And God wants us that, one, so that people in my role who are leading can do it with joy. i got to tell you, there's been many times in my journey where it's been tough to lead. Why? Because people are fighting and arguing and, and backbiting. And it's a tough journey. But it doesn't give you the freedom to just abdicate and say, I quit, forget it. You still got to bear down and lead and, and do the things that God has called you to do. And you call people to, to honor and you call people to trust Jesus. You call people to follow Jesus. But God has called us as individuals to submit and to obey to the spiritual leaders. But the spiritual leader is there to help encourage you, to help facilitate your spiritual journey so that you can become who Jesus desires you to be. That's part of the challenge of what's going on. Now, I would also encourage you to look back at Hebrews 12. 
Real quick, I don't have it on the screen, but I'll just, I'll just read this verse real quick. Verse 15, we talked about this a number of months ago now. But it says, Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and defiling many. Again, as I've talked about this, having done pastoral ministry for 37 years, it's been amazing to me to see how people have allowed roots of bitterness to filter into their lives, and it's made their willingness to obey and submit to spiritual leadership incredibly difficult because they allow bitterness and anger and resentment and other sinful patterns to exist in their life. When the reality is that God has called spiritual leaders to help come alongside each one of us to help us to become and to pursue what it means to be the follower of Jesus that Jesus wants each of us to be. And so this is one of those bullet points. These are one of these things. Guys, as I'm saying goodbye, this is one of those things I want you to remember. These are one of those things I want you to be attuned to. And now he goes on to that next point. Let's look down at verse 18 and 19. He comes here and he says, no, one more thing. Here's the next one. Pray for us. Pray that we will, pray that, pray we are convinced. Pray for us. I struggle reading sometimes. I love to read, but I still struggle. It's a terrible thing. Pray for us. For we are convinced that we have a clear conscience wanting to conduct ourselves honorably in everything. So he's saying that, but who is he saying that as? He's saying that as one of their leaders. He's saying this as one of their elders. Pray for us. We are convinced that we have a clear conscience. We are convinced we're leading well. But on top of that, we want to conduct ourselves honorably and everything. That should be the attitude of the leader. Pray for your leaders. And he's also saying to them, pray for me. Pray. But he's also in prison or has been facing hardship and difficulty. And I urge you all the more to pray that I may be restored to you very soon. So after we talk about leading and, and, and obeying and following leaders, he then says, pray. Prayer should be a major part of our life. So I've got to tell you, this is one of the reasons why we have established prayer as part of our life group experience. We encourage us, and we want to be a praying church, and we want to be praying at a multitude of levels. But that's why at the, in our, each of our life groups, we're encouraging each of our life groups to spend some time praying. Review things, study, have fun, fellowship, and then also pray. It's core. It's a core issue that we should be pursuing. He then hits the benediction, and I love this. Now, I'm not going to do this, but talking through the benediction, that could be a sermon totally in and of itself. I'll, I'll leave that to you to kind of unpack at some point in time. But he says this, and this is a great thing. And I've, and I've encouraged us in our life groups this week to conclude a life group by reading through the benediction. Now, may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you with every good to do his will. Working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. 
None of that's rocket science. Overwhelmingly, most of us, as we sit and read through that, we kind of get each of the different parts. It's just a little snippet of a reminder of core areas of our faith and the foundations of our faith and reminding us to hold on to Jesus and to not let him go. This would be a great prayer to put at the end of a prayer routine. And now, God, may your peace rest upon me, that peace that brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, my great shepherd of this lamb, through the blood of that everlasting covenant, a covenant that never ceases, a covenant that will never break, a covenant that God has established with me that will last forever. Equip me with everything good so that I can do your will. Working in me what is pleasing and right in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. That could be a simple prayer that you make as a routine of life that just touches on core values of our faith, reminds us of those simple foundations upon which we live every day. Again, bullet points. And then, he's, and then he has one more scramble. P.S. You ever do a P.S.? And then you will do a P.P.S.? And then you do a P.P.P.S.? You ever do that? <clears throat> so he's got a little bit of that going on. Brothers and sisters... I urge you to receive this message of exhortation for I have written to you briefly. Hold on. Time out. 13 chapters and you are calling this brief? <laughs> That's P.S. We will we'll not we'll, we can hold that up for debate. We don't really know who it is. People think it's Paul and this next part is part of why sometimes people think it's Paul but we really don't know but, but the person who wrote this letter doesn't write like the rest of how Paul writes in his other letters so we're not really sure who it is but when we get to heaven and we find out who this is we can go to them and we can say brief? You're calling that brief? <laughs> well, brothers, I heard you receive this message of exhortation for I have written to you briefly. P.S. P.P.S. Beware that our brother Timothy has been released. Timothy who has worked with Paul in ministry. Timothy who is a a protege of Paul in ministry. Who has been suffering because of his serving of Jesus. Who has been persecuted and imprisoned because of his serving and his faith of Jesus. He's been released. Guys, and he may be coming to you soon. Now, If I catch up to him and we connect, he'll be with me when I see you. That's PPS. Then PPPS. Greet your brothers, greet your leaders and all the saints, those who are from Italy, send you greeting. Grace be with you all. I would encourage you to take time reread periodically this brief letter. These simple short 13 chapters. You know, I'm kind of being a little sarcastic. 
But it's a great letter. It's a great reminder of the amazingness of who God is. Take some time to read through this last little bit, this last chapter, just chapter 13, as you kind of see and are reminded of these bullet points. The intention is not to be exhaustive in each bullet point, but the intention is to remind us, be aware of this, be aware of this, be aware of this. Just be attuned of these things. Because these things are important. He writes and he says, don't back up. Don't retreat. Lean into Jesus. Lean into him. Don't let other people distract you. Don't let other people throw other things into what it means to be a follower of Jesus and kind of lead you astray. Stay focused on Jesus. Jesus is the one who's unchanging. Stay focused on Jesus. Continue to submit yourself to those who are very intentionally, very purposely seeking to build into your life, helping you to be the person that Jesus wants you to be. Listen to them. Let them invest in your life. Let them do that. They do that because they love you. And they're also be aware that I'm going to hold them accountable. So they're going to be making sure they do it right. Continue to worship me and continue to celebrate me with your voice and celebrate with me your heart and celebrate me and just to praise me and to continue to demonstrate that by being generous and kind so that you can live that out in a way that other people see and other people get to experience it. See, we have an amazing God and he has done amazing things for us. And he has given us his word and he's given us this letter and he's given us these bullet points to help us in our journey so that we can continue to be and so we can continue to pursue what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus. So I would encourage you to take that time to rethink and reread and chew on this and allow it to speak into your heart and to transform your life as you seek more and more each day to be who Jesus desires you to be. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so very much for your incredible faithfulness to us. Father, for a love that enfolds us, for a love that just embraces us, a love that says so unconditionally all the time, I love you, I love you, I love you. Father, I thank you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I think verses 12 to 14 perfectly summarize kind of the whole book. Verse 12, Jesus also suffered outside the gate so that he might sanctify, save, and change the people by his own blood. And then verse 14, we do not have an enduring city here. Instead, we seek the one to come. If you're here and you say, I've believed in Jesus, we have a lasting forever home and it's the one to come and that's why we don't back away from Jesus because this isn't home this is just temporary don't give up I keep going don't back up we're almost home and if you're here and you have never believed in Jesus the whole book of Hebrews is Jesus is greater 
the best sacrifice, the only one that can save you because he died and rose again. If you're here, you're watching online and you've, you've been wrestling with these things, Jesus is the only one that can save you from the punishment of your sin. You can trust in him today, now. You can do that now while we pray. You can just talk to God and tell him what you believe. But we'd encourage you, write on the Connect card, I want to talk to someone about believing in Jesus. Talk to Andrew. Talk to myself. This is why we're here. Jesus is greater. Don't back away. We're almost home. What we're going to do now is uh, we're going to have the offering. It's going to come from the back forward as it passes you. Let's stand and let's sing to the one God who is greater that pursues us and saves us with a love that just doesn't make sense sometimes. But let us pray. Dear God, I thank you that you suffered to save and change us. I pray for anyone here or anyone that's watching, even if they watch it later today, tomorrow, or even years from now, that you will work in their hearts, break down their defenses, show them that they need you and you died and rose again to save them. Lord, I pray for all of us here that know you. Thank you for our forever home and I pray we will look forward to that and live for that home and I I pray we won't back away no matter how hard and discouraging and scary it gets. Thank you that we're almost home. Thank you that you don't change and you always keep your promises. You are so good. Be honored now as we sing, as we give, as we chat with each other. I thank you, God. Jesus, I pray these things in your name. Amen.